Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Hello, and welcome back to the Sunday Monday Show. Jane here, and I'm over the moon to introduce today's guest, who is none other than my grandmother, Mary Ellen Judson, also affectionately known as Nomi. I am the oldest grandchild. I did give her that name. Sorry, Nomi, but you're also the only Nomi I know, so uh, I think it worked out just fine. Nomi is the mother to three children, the grandmother to nine beautiful grandchildren, and she lives her life with so much grace, so much wisdom, so much service. I don't know if I know anyone else who embraces the gifts that God has given them in the same way to just make the world a better place. I always go to Nomi when I have questions or need advice, and she is incredibly wise and wonderful. So, of course, she's here on the podcast. I can't wait for you all to hear from her, to hear her life story, and hopefully to take some little pearls of wisdom with you for the road. So without any further ado, please help me welcome Nomi. How are you, Nomi? Thank you for being here. I'm very well. Thank you, Jane. And it's excited to be on your your podcast. The former ones have been very interesting. Thank you for listening to them. And I know that I, I this was one of the early ideas I had when I was doing this was I wanted to have you on it because <laughs> I come to you for guidance all the time. Oh. And um, now everyone in our audience gets to hear it too. <laughs> Good luck, audience. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> so good. Um, okay, so I, the first question we ask everyone on the podcast is, what is your first job? Or what was your first job? Can you tell us about it? Sure. My, my first real job was teaching school. And although I had had the opportunity to go with National Security Agency for various reasons, uh, my dad asked me if I would mind coming home and living at home for a year and teaching school. And from the time I was three or four years old, I wanted to be a teacher. That was my whole life. And so I did. And so I was teaching sixth graders, seventh graders and eighth grade social studies. And it was wonderful. It was fabulous. It was a small school. The average IQ was 120. So it was hardly an effort to teach. And it was wonderful, wonderful experience. And this was in New Jersey? In New Jersey. Love it. Yes, yeah. How good that you knew you wanted to be a teacher from a young age. Well, it is. It is. Now, that doesn't mean you don't change your mind. And I think that I, I wish more young people would consider teaching. <coughs> Excuse me. But we change. And we change with circumstances. You know, if, if you are married and you have little children, then quite possibly teaching is not the best thing for you. <laughs> you got to get those kids in school with some vacation time if you want to do it. But it's wonderful. Kids are great. Yeah, and what I love is that you have this gift of teaching, you have a desire to teach, mm -hmm. and then it expressed itself in so many different ways through your life. So you graduated college and you're teaching, you, I, some of my earliest memories are you teaching at Sylvan Learning Center and tutoring kids. Mm -hmm. uh, when we first moved back here, I think you were working yes. there. And then you had Nomi school. So <laughs> you would have a gaggle of my brothers slash cousins come over here two or three days a week. And then you teach them again. So now we didn't teach. We 
lifted up rocks and saw what was under the rocks. And some of the times they were crawly and creepy, but getting our fingers into the dirt was a great deal of fun. Yeah, and they all turned out very smart. So well, they did. No me school. It's all, all my fault. <laughs> it is your fault that you had my very blessing. Smart, yes. smart grandkids. <clears throat> That's so good. So, of course, in that, right, because you've had so many iterations of your career, I know this is something I think about often is when I have kids, what what is feasible? Like, what do I want to do so that I can be can be around for my family? And then, like, where my parents are, right? So their youngest is going to college in a few years. That's another iteration of your career and your life. That's true. So what, how did you feel guided through those different iterations of, like, when you had kids, what was your thought? Was it, okay, I want to keep teaching? Or how did you feel that <coughs> um, expressed in your life? Well, Jane, in the olden days, and your grandpa and I have been married for over 50 years, Congratulations. Uh, I was very fortunate in that I did not have to work. While my children were preschoolers, until they got into school, I was able to be with them, (laughs) sometimes for good and sometimes for not so good, but I was able to be at home with them. And then your grandpa was transferred. And so, although I had been teaching a little bit in Chicago, we moved to California and we were starting all over again. And it was important for me to be around and to be aware with my youngsters as they became teenagers. And uh, I found in California that there was all kinds of daycare for little children but there was nothing that helped young adolescents. And that's, that's when your kids really need some guidance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so when, my, when my kids went to college and in high school, I did teach. I taught preschool and I also taught at Sylvan Learning Centers. So I did that. So I was able to teach little children and big children. Mm-hmm. And you taught you taught also in a in a, a juvenile correction facility. Yes, I did. I taught in a a group home. A group home where the the young ladies they were fourteen to eighteen year olds, and uh, they succeeded with us, or they went on to juvie, and uh, it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I had grown up with a extensive but very sophisticated language (laughs) and I moved in or moved in but taught these youngsters who were 14 to 18 who spoke a totally different language (laughs) (laughs) I needed a I, I, I needed my Google search to find out what a lot of these nasty nasty words were but they needed help they needed some guidance they needed somebody to say, you know, world out there is okay, but you have to work at it. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I, I just, I think that the creativity of God in using our gifts at different times in our lives, it's just so humbling because I can imagine when you first moved home and started to teach, you had no idea <laughs> where that would take you, but that's, that's amazing. 
And so that that's a big constant in your life, right, was teaching. Mm-hmm. And um, you have just this great gift of spiritual motherhood of being able to care not only for your children and your perfect grandchildren, <laughs> but also <laughs> yes. for for these these kids that, that are brought into your life through your work. That's true. Um, and another constant I know has been your faith. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in a very... A very, very Catholic family. A very Catholic family. A very Irish Catholic family. <laughs> Irish Catholic family. And can you share a little bit about kind of your experience growing up with your faith and then um, how your faith changed over your, your life? Over the years? Yeah. Well, I had some very great influences. <clears throat> My mother, Marie Fitzgerald, was a person who was very bright, had total faith in God. <clears throat> she had total faith that God would take care of her. And to me, as an outsider, I looked at her and she saw the world through rose-colored glasses. On the other hand, my father was an engineer. And so in his life, everything was black and white. And he also had a strong faith. Uh, <clears throat> but in their business career, my dad's job took his family all over the world, living in Germany at the rise of Adolf Hitler, uh, coming back and, and working through the war and that kind of thing. My mother was one who, pre-Vatican II, felt that nobody in church could understand the Latin. So she would step up with her missile, stand outside the altar rail, and read the first, the, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament while the old Monsignor was mumbling in Latin in back of her. <laughs> I will never forget that. Never. I love that. <laughs> uh, she spoke at communion breakfasts. She was a speaker and spoke of religious matters. What I liked was she had beautiful hats. Mm. And it was the hats that I'm sure got her hired at all of these uh, women's activities. But my faith probably uh, grew with my, you know, my sister. I have a sister who's 10 years, was 10 years my senior, and she determined to become a missionary. And boy, her faith was unbelievable. Just, you just could not believe all that she went through. Exciting, mm-hmm. <laughs> exciting as the little sister watched, but uh, bringing God to <laughs> many godless people. You know, as, as the ladies at the bridge party my mother would have bridge parties to collect money for the babies in China that my sister was serving. And when my sister came home, the lady said, well, of course you don't give milk to to pagan babies. (laughs) And my sister, I guess, breaking all the rules of honesty, just kind of nodded (laughs) and said, we give the milk where it's needed. Uh But... I've had an interesting upbringing, mm-hmm. and I've had an easy life, so it's a lot easier. I have not had lots of crises in my life. Mm. Makes it easy. <laughs> Makes it easy to have a church and church friends around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's, yeah, that's beautiful. I, your sister is one of the coolest people ever. She's a, a Mary Noel sister, yes. right? Mary Noel's sister. Mary Noel's sister. Wasn't she on the cover of Time Magazine at some point? Yes. Uh, there was a Bishop Walsh who was brought out from behind the bamboo curtain. Oh. The communists did not want him to die in prisonment. And so they brought him out through Hong Kong. And Sister Kay was the one that greeted him. And the communists turned him over to Sister Kay. And the, there was Kay on the <laughs> front page of the New York Times. It's amazing. Yeah. What an adventure, <clears throat> too, I think. So many people think about entering religious life and how you're signing away like a life of adventure. And she probably had one of the most adventurous oh. lives ever. Yes. Being a nurse and traveling the world. So great. Yes. Yeah. But she also, you know, she had her stumbles too. She was not accepted into the nunnery. And when she went in, she became a novice, but they would not let her be professed. I didn't know this. No, she was not professed in the in the order of things because she was <clears throat> too strong-minded. <laughs> oh, which ended up working out for her. <laughs> and runs in the family. <laughs> runs in the family. Mm. But she ended up with 64 years as a married old sister. Amazing. So, and Amazing. on their boards of directors and <laughs> running the the Chinese area, as well as a lot of situations in the States. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just, I think about like your life and your career and your faith and then your family. I mean, so many things, right? It's just such a glowing example of, of being open to God's will. And I know you, you moved all over the place as a kid and mm -hmm. then you and your family and like my mom and you, you all moved all the time there's just so much change, right? And you had this like constant of these, this call of your vocation, your vocation mm -hmm. as a mother and a wife and, and your vocation to teach as well as this um, faith that I think, we were just talking about this before we recorded, but yeah. it's- A very it, deep faith. Yeah. It's a deep faith. Uh, you know, you do have doubts. I, I'm thinking of doubting Thomas who, who doubted that Jesus had risen. But he came and he asked, and Jesus was there for him, and his whole community was there. And I think so many young people who have a tough time with their first job or with their fifth job, or who have difficulty in a marriage, uh, and they, you know, does God really exist? Does God exist for me? God exists for that other person over there, but does God exist for me? And it's so important for the rest of us to be a welcoming community mm -hmm. to that person who's going through crises. I'm an 85 per year, an 85 year old person, and many of people around me are dying, not from COVID-19, but from age. And women are losing their husbands or their husbands are are suffering with dementia of any number of ways and it's a challenge it is a challenge uh, and it's important 
to know that there is a loving God out there. Mm-hmm. And that there are loving neighbors, friends, friends that have a same um, basic understanding of truth and an afterlife. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it is different as you grow older. <laughs> but it's, it's such a good witness to faith. I, I find it to be a really helpful witness to look to you and uh, I love coming home because I get to go to daily mass with you and <laughs> see all your fun daily mass That's friends. Right. And it's, it's, it is a really beautiful community that you it have is. here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine that as life changes and as you, um, yeah, as life changes, there's, it's just good to have that rock. Right. And it is a rock. Is that, that foundation, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Something that you can hang on to and get your feet on and say, you know, this is real. Mm-hmm. This is real. Mm-hmm. You talked a moment ago a little bit about, you know, people in my generation. The mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> us. <laughs> us, yes. Um, what sorts of things, I mean, whether it's things that you look back on now and you say, oh, okay, like I wish I kind of had this. I wish I kind of had, I wish I had known this or I wish I'd been, had the courage to do this. Like what sorts of things do you do you wish you would have known? My my regrets? (laughs) Not your regrets, but maybe things that you realized that you were worried about and didn't need to be as worried about or things you wish you would have done, things you're grateful that you've done. (laughs) Well, I think life that is open to young people today is... It is wide open, but I think it's also difficult for young people, and when I'm saying young people, probably from 20 to 50, uh, to understand who they are, uh, to be able to look at themselves and to say, who am I and who do I want to be? Uh, You know, as you're teenagers you have parents and grandparents who say you should do this you should do that and when you get to be a big girl it's you yourself that is saying I should do this but do I want to I want to do this but should I do this Uh, I also think that in this world of technology that it's scary. It is a very frightening world because I think you lose a lot of your identity and you lose it to public podcasts or to to other people trying to influence you all the time. Uh, It's challenging to be people of real honest humanity because there are an awful lot of people who don't think humanity makes any sense unless humanity has that checkbook or the card to write a check to spend money uh, and there's a lot more to life than material goods mm-hmm. yeah i agree that's that's yeah i think it is frightening <laughs> it is frightening it is frightening and yet it's so important to have friends, friends from any age level, 
but friends that you admire or that you see have good reasonings in back of them. And one of your crises might be that you find out that that person isn't who you think it is. Maybe it's somebody that you work for. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's somebody in the church. You know, I think our church has failed us in many ways. But the overwhelming, that church has kept going for 2,000 years. And when we see things we don't like, we need to do what we can do to make them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday's reading, I think it was yesterday's reading, was about... Oh, yes. Um, I read it. It was, yeah, an Acts of the Apostles, and uh, they were talking about... <laughs> it was someone talking was to saying, the saying, don't believe this guy. Don't, don't go against these people who end up being the apostles. Yeah. Because this guy came along and claimed to be Messiah, and all of his people disappeared. Yeah, and and uh, that yeah. was that was a good one. I did happen to. <laughs> I, I liked that. Well, because he was saying, if this is built by humans, it's not yeah. going to last. It's it going to crash last. and burn. And no matter how many things, ways in which the church has failed, and ways in which the people in the church have been broken and corrupt, and all those things, like it's still standing. It's still <laughs> which standing. Is, crazy to me when you think about just the fickleness of human nature and there has to be something um it has to be a god thing. god inspired yeah, yeah. some god thing <laughs> it's not us um it's yeah it sure as heck it's not yeah it's it's not us so that's yeah that's a good reminder there are many many good people in mm-hmm. the church oh yeah many many more good people than not so good mm-hmm mm-hmm but I think it's important that women uh, have their say or have their input. But I do think that women need to be on those boards of directors or on parish councils or uh, whatever the particular church calls for. You have to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mean, from my vantage point, I see women in the church as ma- massive leaders. There are so many women in the church that I look to who are mm-hmm. managing uh, or running great ministries and are are using their voices and gifts to just really serve. I look at you. Like, you are one of the most dedicated people to your church, and you do mm-hmm. so much, whether it's being a lector or volunteering. I mean, you're always doing, doing things something. in your church. because And, and you and your friends, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you are really the backbone, I think, of parish life, and I see that in D.C. too. I mean... Every lector at the church I go to is a woman and there are women preparing the altar and like cleaning things up and you just you just see the the power and the and the unique gifts of women on display in the church and I think that um yeah and my mom like she's just gotten onto the parish council and it's it's really cool to hear from her and to see the things she's able able to do in that role um yeah yeah I I really agree I think that's important but I don't think women should take it over either. Uh, I think if you get women involved in some of these ministries or parish Mm -hmm. councils, all of a sudden you have a group of ten and nine and a half of them are women, which scares the men away. (laughs) And honestly so. Mm -hmm. I I think that is a real detriment Mm -hmm. of a lot of women. 
that minimize the goodness of men mm-hmm. and and the spirituality that so many men have uh, welcome them encourage them to participate in the church yeah I couldn't agree more it's it's recognizing the unique gifts and the unique the unique offerings of mm-hmm. men and women, and we need both. And, and we I, sure do. I totally, I see where you are. Like, or I see, I see the concern because I feel it too. Whereas, like, sometimes as a woman, I'll look at a church event or something that guys are trying to plan. They'll be like, "Hey, can you come help us?" And yeah. immediately I'll be like, "You all, this is a mess. Like, give me, <laughs> give me the keys, and I'll just take it over and redo it right." And I had to work so hard to not be that person and just to say, "Yeah, this looks really good. Like, let me know if you need any help." Because yeah. really, it is. It's about recognizing the great gifts of, of each person and the way one person might do it might be different from how you're going to do it but yeah. but you can support that's so good yeah yeah I do have to say though I feel really excited about the future of our church I think that the people I meet who are coming up as as leaders and entering seminary and um and working on ministries it's just it's beautiful like I really do think that we have this great um awakening of the church that that I'm really excited about. Yes. I I certainly hope that is true. You know, we have a situation in California where <clears throat> we do not have the priests that we need. Mm. Uh and it's and it's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. We've had many priests in the last 3 years who were very strong Vatican II outgrowths and so many of them have died Mm. I think it's interesting just the ways in which we I mean being in DC I the seminaries are just packed with (laughs) yeah there's so many I mean the diocese of Arlington the diocese archdiocese of DC they have tons and tons Mm. of um seminarians coming up and I and I very intellectually well-formed very spiritually well-formed just really really good but yeah I I remember I it is definitely different going to mass in DC and going to mass here um you have like our priests at the church I grew up at I Mm -hmm. mean two priests 4,000 families at this parish massive parish Mm -hmm. big school huge huge community right two priests two priests two priests and in DC there's a church every block and each church has two or three priests and so instead of having to pastor over 10,000 people, mm-hmm. you're pastoring, I mean, it's still a large number, sure. but but the, just the, the relationship and the ability, and I don't know if it's a, a more of a city thing or if it's just in the suburbs, but man, I like, I think often of the priests at my, at my home parish, my mm-hmm. family's parish, and I just like pray for them because <laughs> I don't know. They should be overwhelmed. I don't know how are. to do it. They are overwhelmed and, um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me to think about. After Easter, our priest was considering finding the, the grave and rolling back the stone <laughs> and hiding for a week. I, yeah, I mean, especially after the hiding Triduum. for it's a like week. After mass after Triduum. mass after mass. I, yeah. I've got to pray for our priests. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of work to do. Um, well, this has been really great. Do you have other things? I, I know you came prepared. What, what have we not talked about? I got a little off track. I always do. No. uh, I don't think we got off track. I think um, the question of my 
my work history is uh, I lived in the New York metropolitan area as a youngster and loved it. Loved the theater, loved the music, loved everything about it. And one of the wonderful things about my first teaching uh, situation was that we had twice a year, we took these little children to New York City and we went to the art galleries or we went to music. One time we even went to Connecticut and went to a Shakespeare play. And this was a small group of children, but they were just fabulous. And the whole situation was good. And obviously set me on a road of success as involvement with children and with people. Uh, as my husband once said, you can try and change children, but you really cannot change adults. <laughs> you know, and, and that is very true. You, know, you, you need to get along with adults. And some adults you're willing to accept some of their antics, and other adults you just need to say goodbye. Mm. And I think that's hard for young women. Uh, I think for women particularly, a social circle is important. And it's important to be both men and women, but I think women really do rely on their women friends. And I can remember a woman I had three children under five, <laughs> and some woman called me, who I knew, picked up the, and I picked up the phone and she said, Mary Ellen, you won't believe what somebody said about you. <laughs> and I thought to myself, <laughs> what can I do about it? <laughs> so I said, well, thank you. I hope what they said was good. Goodbye. Yeah. You need to learn to hang up. <laughs> you learn to hang up on that that woman who is trying to put you down. Uh, so I think that's one of the things that is challenging for young people. And also the fact that you have so many opportunities and which do you use? Which do you choose? Mm -hmm. Which do you choose? Yeah, I think both of those things are very, are lessons that I learn all the time. Like the opportunities, I think that's obviously like a big, a big situation because there are so many opportunities available to us. You can, I mean, I moved across the country and I mm -hmm. got a new job and there's more opportunities coming in the next few months. And like, it just, it can feel very, very overwhelming. And mm -hmm. I think that for me, at least that's really where my faith just holds me is yeah. knowing that there might be a more right decision and a less right decision, but either way, God's going to meet me there mm -hmm. and he is going to provide for what I need in that space. Um, but yeah, I think going back to what you were talking about with boundaries and having to, to cut off friendships and things, mm -hmm. that that is just, I think, something that never gets easier. And it's a really, really hard reality of realizing 
but you can't change people and you can love people really well and sometimes love and forgiveness it doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation but it can be like I love you and I will always love you and I will always be here for you um but I can't change I can't change you and I can only imagine how much more complicated I can't change you and I'm not willing to change myself Mm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is true with male-female relationships, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't change. Um, but you can change yourself if, if it's the right, if, if it's yeah. a positive change, but if it's not. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of male-female, you have been married for over 50 years. 50, yes. 50 what at this time? 55? Oh, 55. Yeah. 55 years. How? What did you do? How did that work out? <laughs> <laughs> Give us the secrets. It's a well, long time. Well, the big secret was to have a wonderful man to be married to. Yes, you chose very well. I chose very well. And we've been able to have a a lot of fun together and uh, you know, he is smart and he's faithful and he loves our children and he loves we live in a lovely home and he's he's willing to put up with a lot of my nonsense. <laughs> He he was willing to put up enough with my church relationships that after 50 years, he became a Catholic Love and joined that. me in the church. 50 years later. 50 years later. <laughs> now that was one where the good Lord was moving him. Yeah. Slowly. <laughs> Slowly. Slowly. Yeah. That's so good. I think, especially now, like being in situations where you're dating and you're looking at different things, it is so good to be reminded that, like, finding someone who is good, like mm-hmm. finding someone who is like good and kind in their core. Yeah. Because that, like, you can't you can't really fix that. You can't really change that. Like, it's pretty ingrained in people. And, it is. Yeah. You know, people are nice, and people are not nice. People are clawing up their either the corporate road or uh, social situations. And they just, uh, you know, you have to be good. You have to have good thoughts and and be willing to be kind to people and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Well, was there any anything else that we did not cover? I like that you brought out the cherry blossom shirt for me. Was that to make me feel like I was at home? <laughs> yes, though you were at home. Well, I think um, you mentioned that that we had been transferred business-wise a couple of times. And I think it's important that if, if you are married and you are... Uh, in a family situation, I think that if your husband is offered an opportunity, I think it's it's a joint decision as to whether or not you take it, whether you take the physical move. But at the same time, it's important to support your husband, not to be well, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to leave my mother. I'm not going to do me, me, me all the time. Doesn't make it in a good marriage. I just saw the the movie Minari about a Korean family 
<laughs> which of course is a totally different um, mindset, but you really don't want to minimize your husband unless there's a really good reason. And my transfers have moved me from the East Coast to the central part of this country, to the West Coast, and life could not be better for us. Mm -hmm. And had we said, we're only gonna stay in New Jersey, uh, we would still be fixing radiators in schools, you know. Uh, it, mm -hmm. Life offers you opportunities and you need to take those chances. Not all the time, but often. Mm -hmm. so, have faith. Mm -hmm. Have faith the Lord will provide. But yeah. you have to try too. You know, it's not only the Lord that does the, the hands and feet. Yeah, he'll, he'll drive the car, or he, he'll steer the car, but you gotta like yeah. hit the gas. That's yeah. what I always think about. Right. Well, and it's true. It's like the courage that you had all, all those years ago to move from New Jersey, then to Chicago, mm -hmm. then to California. Mm -hmm. And then I look at my mom who moved from California to Australia and lived there for almost a decade. I mean, for me, I didn't feel this like crushing guilt of, okay, I'm gonna move to DC. Like I wanna do it, like mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it. And I think it was easier on her because she realized, oh, I did the same. I did something yeah. similar. Like I, I made that move, and so I, I thank you for leading that charge of well, of you look it okay. at you look at my parents. My parents moved all over the world. Mm -hmm. They started out at Notre Dame. They went to Germany, uh, which was a scary time for my mother, and then went to the islands in the Caribbean, where you the houses were on sticks because the bugs would climb in, you know, and then back. Uh, and yet that was my father's job. And my mother, my mother's job was to set up the social arrangements for the wives, to set up the bridge clubs, to set up the little plays. You know, you make life where you are and make it the best that you can be. So. And that's such an attitude of choice. Like your it's choice. You choose, you choose. I think often uh, I talk to people where they find themselves in situations. We all find ourselves in situations that are not ideal. No. And it's your choice if you're going to like dwell in the, well, this isn't what I wanted mm -hmm. and this isn't what I needed. And I thought things were going to be different. I thought it was going to be this way or that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, you have a choice to say, okay, so. I'm reading right now. I think I told you about it, but I will give it to you. I need to finish. I'm almost done with it, but it's called He Leadeth Me, and it's about this priest who um, spent 30 years in this Serbian work camp. Oh, boy. It's amazing. It's amazing. And in the story, he talks about how his whole thing was, we're going to be priests in Russia, and we're going to convert the Russians. And it's like, <laughs> nobody wants to get converted um, because they're all communists, and they don't they won't, don't want it. And... Um, he and this, his brother priest find themselves in a work camp, which is pretty miserable mm -hmm. in like, you know, freezing cold Russia. And they decide after a couple weeks, they're like, well, we're not converting anyone. So we're done. <laughs> like we're out. <laughs> Let's leave. And he talks about how they sat and prayed with it for a while. And they realized, no, like the will of God is for me to be in this situation. He placed us here. And then of course he gets arrested and ends up, you know, actually getting you know sentenced to hard labor because he's a priest. It gets worse and worse. But he, he stays centered through that whole thing by saying like this is this is where god yeah, is asking me to me. be mm -hmm. and how hard is it for us right like i have a rough day at work and i'm like i don't want to do it anymore like i'm quitting and yeah. it's just like 
no, God, there obviously are times where you need to let go go of something. But just to have a different mindset of, oh, cool, there's an opportunity here. And I have the opportunity to to view this as an adventure, which I think you have (laughs) always done, um, which is always good. It is good. Life is good. Life is good. You know, you can look at the COVID vaccine and say, I'm going to really get sick. Or you can look at the vaccine and say, this is going to keep me from getting sick. So go for it. (laughs) My word for the day. Go for it? Go for it. (laughs) Go for it. Well, it allows us to be sitting here doing this. That's right. um, Without masks. Without masks. I know. We're we're very safe. We promise everyone. We're both vaccinated. Yes. Um, yes. And the wind is coming through. And the wind is coming in. That's why you can hear all the... uh, all the leaf blowers. So yeah. sorry. Um, wonderful. Wonderful. All right. So our last question is what is working for you right now? This is still on. It is. I think working for me now is a a bit of complacency because I like where I am. Uh, I have seen my children grow and have grown nicely. Some have had real hurdles, but the hurdles seem to have been (laughs) laid flat for the time being. I've watched wonderful grandchildren grow and they all seem to be doing well. Some of them strike out at baseball games, but that's all right too. Um, My husband and I are healthy, which is unusual. Uh, I'm finding more and more unusual. But I am happy that our, our church, we have had a wonderful 18 months of leadership with our pastor who has supplied us with Zoom masses, with parking lot Eucharist. Midway during the week, he sets up a town hall and we have a town hall meeting from seven to eight at night and this week Last week was on the beginnings of this small town in which we live. Mm. And last week, it was people who are the ages of my grand, my children and how they grew up in Lafayette. And there's one picture of five brothers in the bathtub at the same <laughs> time. All these little children. But the beautiful hills and even some of the snakes that they were able to find. But this priest has been able to to bring this community uh, where at some of these town halls, there'll be 300 on a Zoom call. Now for every computer, I don't know how many are in back of it, for Sunday morning Zoom masses, although we now have one mass which is in the church but only will fit 40 people so that's pretty small Mm -hmm. but we'll have 250 at a zoom mass which Mm -hmm. is unbelievable Mm -hmm. for our small community 
So I think uh, in our area, the church is alive and well. And I like it that way, and I like being here. And I like being with my granddaughter, Jane. Oh, <clears throat> well, thank you for taking the time to to share my your pleasure. wisdom. I'm glad that, yeah, the sun is out, the sun is shining, it and is. Um, and there is, yeah, there's a lot of, of good, and I'm so grateful for you and for Grandpa. Thank you. And that you're nice and healthy. <laughs> yes. And now yes. vaccinated. Um, yeah, so so it's so good. And, yeah, I mean, I think not to speak for everyone, but I think that all of your grandchildren and your children can look to you and Grandpa and see just a stalwart um, representation of faith mm-hmm. and consistency and hard work. Yeah. And, yeah, just this adventurous spirit and trusting God that I think underlies that's right. so much of your life which is so good it is you're right you're right <laughs> so thank you for being here we really appreciate it thank you thank you jane of course all right thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the sunday monday show if you liked it if you enjoyed it if you learned something we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend shoot it in a text post it on social media whatever you want to do sharing these episodes helps more people find them and while you're doing that if you could rate and review these episodes that would also be so appreciated if you're looking for more you can follow us on instagram at the sunday monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye.